NFL edition, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, holding it down today. Might get somebody in here shortly to rock with me. But if not, me and you, you know what, the audience, we can get it done. But I'm going to need your help. So I'm going to need you to hop in that chat, shoot me a couple questions. You got fantasy questions for this weekend. We'll get that started. But mainly today, what I'm going to do is try to get you some DFS information, some players, some plays that I like for the upcoming week. Obviously, we got Thursday night football, kickoff week two. Philadelphia Eagles, six and a half point home favorite tonight. Versus the Minnesota Vikings. The total right now, this number's been bouncing back and forth. Total right now has come down from 49 to 48 and a half. So we'll get into that game and start to break that down in a few seconds. First, I got some action items I need you to take care of. I need you to hit that QR code when my man Keith pops it up on the screen. And that right there gets you a seven-day test drive for $1 to the Contrarian Edge Optimizer. That word contrarian is the most important in that sentence. The contrarian edge optimizer. You don't want your optimizer to be like everybody else's. You see a lot of that out here. This right here gives you a contrarian edge. So go ahead and hit that QR code on the screen. Seven-day test drive. Just go ahead and sign up for the whole thing now because I am guarantee you it'll get it done. Sportstopia. You may not be familiar with it. It's a brand-new website. The website is live. Got the great feel to it, sportstopia.io. That's the headquarters location right there, sportstopia.io. So go over there and check that out as well. Get some stuff going. YouTube subscribers, YouTube people, hit the like, hit the channel, hit the subscribe, hit the like so you can be notified when we do go live to bring some content. And everybody that's watching on YouTube right now, go ahead and go ahead and start popping those questions in there. Now, when you start and look at tonight's game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings, you're not dreaming. This was also a week two primetime contest last year. Last year, the Philadelphia Eagles, on a Monday night in week two, to end week two, I mean, destroyed the Minnesota Vikings. Like, even though the Vikings put up that good record last year, I kept back pointing to that, kept pointing back to that Philadelphia game. Like, this team is really a bunch of frauds that happen to be winning these one-score games. Now, coming into this season, it's about the same. Obviously, you look at the point spread that you see that the Philadelphia Eagles are six and a half point favorites. So this is not this is really a game that, you know, inside a touchdown, maybe the Minnesota Vikings get lucky. But this is what I'll say about this one. Right. The Philadelphia Eagles got this bad habit of getting off to these hot starts and letting teams get back in the game. They have fabulous first half and the second half. They kind of let the air out the ball a little bit. Um, you cannot do that with everybody, so I'd be wary of that. But even still, I think this is going to be a dominant performance by the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, as far as what you want to do with your DFS and your fantasy contest, whether it be pick them, whether it be DFS, I do like a big game from Jalen Hurts. I think that Jalen Hurts is going to be the primary runner in this game right here. So I think you Jalen Hurts yardage, rushing yardage props, I want to go higher on those. I'd also like to go higher on Devontae Smith. And his catches, if you're playing in a pick style game. Uh, if you're doing like that showdown slate, I think you ride with the big gold guys from the Eagles. You come back with Justin Jefferson. Now, I do like Jordan Addison. Addison had six targets last week. I believe the last number I saw on his catches was about three and a half. So I would go higher on that one as well if you're playing in a fantasy stats-based contest. And I do think that those are good guys to use in your DK lineups as well. Total in that game is one of the highest ones on the week. At 48 and a half, but you're starting to see that number tick down as people are starting to attack the under on that game. I look at it like this. If we, if it plays the style of game where Philadelphia plays, where they get out to that big league and they sit on the ball, I would expect the under the cash. Now, if Kirk Cousins and the Vikings come out in the second half and look like they got some fight in them, maybe I want to hit that live over because that number would drop pretty well. So really that first drive of the second half is going to tell the tale for me. I think Addison is a guy that – um. Addison is a guy that can be used and optimized uh, in lineups tonight. So if you head on over here to this uh, contrarian edge optimizer, let's just get it out the way right quick up. Let's generate a DK showdown lineup. Uh, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Kirk Cousins, DeAndre Swift. I would be very wary about putting DeAndre Swift near any lineup that I have. Um, we saw that Swift doesn't really seem like 
uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to have any good fantasy value this year. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is a target monster. And then you've got Rashad Penny as well. Now, remember that Rashad Penny can leave the game at any moment because Rashad Penny really should be playing flag football and not in the NFL because as soon as he gets touched, he has to go out. Um, another thing, looking at this contrarian edge, a couple more lineups, Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison, and Boston Scott. Boston Scott, that $2,200 price tag on DraftKings, I do believe that is a good idea as well. Other guys that I see in some of these lineups are Josh Oliver. That's a very interesting one. And then you have, um, yeah, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts, DeAndre Swift. I'd be very wary of DeAndre Swift moving forward. I think I probably would try. If I'm going to take a shot with an Eagle running back, it will probably be Boston Scott. But Addison is a guy that I like a lot in that contest tonight. And um, if you're wagering it, I probably would take the Eagles on the money line and parlay that with under 48 and a half. All right. Now let's get ready to see what else is on this slate. While we do that, let's welcome in my man, my man, Monotone Football. Stu, what's good with you? Nothing much, man. Been dealing with some camera difficulties, some audio difficulties, but I had to figure it out because I wanted to get on here and talk Thursday Night Football with you. Well, I appreciate that because I was getting ready to do it by myself. I don't know how good that was going to go. It's 12.07. I was already through the first game. You know what I'm saying? But now we have a chance to slow down, take our time, and hop into it. Now, when you look at this game tonight, I don't know if you heard me. I read the optimizer for DraftKings, and they got a lot of DeAndre Swift. Maybe, you know how fantasy owners are romantic. So if you do good to us, we're back. If you don't do us well, we break up with you. We unfollow you on social media. We block you. So I have blocked DeAndre Swift. Yeah, that's not unfair. I will say Kenneth Gainwell now added the lineup, right? That kind of does set up some precedent for DeAndre Swift to hopefully be a little bit more involved. The thing I'm a little bit worried about, I have to say, is the whole world is falling in love with this coach speak, right? This Sirianni saying, oh, my God, we have to get DeAndre Swift involved. This is a priority. I can't believe this happened. What do you mean you can't believe this happened? It happened you're, in Detroit. Yeah you're, yeah, yeah, you're the one in control of the playbook as well, right? You had all offseason to make these decisions, and in week one, you decided to let him touch the ball two times. I think that speaks more than any kind of phony, oh, my God, we got to get this guy 25 carries this week. So I was doing the same thing you were. I was looking at Swift in all of those optimizer lineups. I saw how extremely popular he was going to be, and I'm kind of thinking to myself, why not save a little bit of money and go with a guy like Boston Scott, who clearly yeah. has that touchdown upside. They love using him at the goal line. They love using him in those short yarded situations. I think he might be kind of the sneaky running back I'm trying to get a little bit of this week. What do you think about the Philadelphia Eagles game script? You know what I'm saying? You got the curly W on. I know you watch a lot of Eagles football, right? They got these big explosive first and second quarters. Then they take the air out the ball in the second half. And it kind of just like becomes run the clock out time. I think they're going to get burned with this at doing playing like this at some point. I'm not sure if the Vikings on the road in prime time are the team to do it. But when you look at this game script, what do you think? Yeah, I see a similar path to what you're saying. I will say in the second quarter, what I think happens here is I think Kirk Cousins can keep up pretty well. I think this offense, whether it's a guy like Justin Jefferson over there, a rookie first-round pick in Jordan Addison, or now one of the highest-paid tight ends in the league in TJ Hawkinson, I think they have the pieces to kind of come back and make this a relatively close game. I still see the same thing. Eagles always come out in the first half. They always look super strong. I think they're going to try to take the air out of the ball in the second half, but I don't know how successful that's actually going to be. I think when you're going to get such a good offense, I think there's going to be room for the Vikings to kind of slowly get themselves back into this game. So for me, I see it as a high-scoring game. I see it as an over-target, and for me, I think that's great for DFS and lineups. It's interesting. With this number dropping, you see the game as an over. I kind of feel the same way, even with the number dropping. I think, like I was saying earlier, I think you see that typical Philadelphia game script. But if the Vikings come out in the, in the second half and they're willing to fight, I'm like, this thing can go over. So a live over could be the case if you get that number drop down good enough. So I good to see that we're on the same spot on that. I'm in on Hawkinson. I'm in on Addison as well. You? Yeah, Hawkinson's one of my favorite plays. I talked about him on the Tuesday show as my favorite prop of the week at over four and a half receptions. When I gave that out on Tuesday, it was minus 120. Now it's minus 200 everywhere. So it's kind of clear that the sports books 
have pretty quickly caught up to this fact, right? And they're clearly all over Hawkinson. But for me, when I'm building my DFS lineups, Hawkinson is absolutely a centerpiece, right? When we look at how good this Eagles team has not only been against the rush, but how good that Darius Slay cornerback is on the outside, how good the secondary has been over time, I think that's going to funnel a lot of targets over the middle. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have to get the ball out quick. And who's a better safety valve than one of the best tight ends in the league? We saw that in week one, right? Nine targets. He only had 30-something yards. A lot of those were quick little checkdowns, get him the ball fast. And that's a very easy way to kind of generate those PPR points. I was looking at Jalen Hurts rushing yards on underdog, and it was like 46 and a half. And I really don't like betting real – I mean, uh, you know, getting in on playing those real popular fantasy stats like that. But what do you think of Hurts' uh, rushing total? Yeah, the one thing I'll say is I love quarterbacks in competitive game scripts, right? The reason I would like a guy like Josh Allen on Monday is because I believe that if a quarterback is going to go out there and run, he's going to put his body on the line. It kind of has to be in a super competitive game, a high stakes game. For me, I get a little bit worried when quarterbacks get up to an early lead, right? If I'm up 14-0 and I'm Jalen Hurts, why am I putting my body on the line right early in this game, right? When we clearly are looking good, I don't need to risk injury right there. So my one concern with the Hurts rushing would be if we do get out ahead early, if we start running the ball really heavily, I'm kind of worried that correlates a little bit negatively with Hurts rush attempts. All right. Terrell Furman, what's going on, my man? How you doing, sir? Not much. What's going on? The fantasy exec, Stu, what's the word? Ain't not much sitting up here chilling, getting ready to make some money, you know what I'm saying? Um, are you what's your football? You have a favorite football team? Oh, Terrell, oh uh unfortunately, um, I don't have a favorite football team anymore because they got murdered on Sunday night. And so that's they I, don't I exist. thought you were a New York Giants they don't, fan. Yeah, yeah they, they, uh, I, he tried, hey, hey, Stu, he thought I forgot about that 40 nah, burger. He was talking big uh, trash in Canton. Nah, big man. trash talking in Canton and then got 40 to nothing on him. Got shut out. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, I have not spoke on the game since. I have taken a reprise and trying to c- gather my thoughts. And ultimately what I can say is that Mark Glowinski is probably one of the worst offensive guards I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Andrew Thomas injury just put a dagger into my heart and it just made me honestly, truly give up on the entire season and we're never going to beat the Cowboys ever. So there we go. That's probably true. All right. We'll get to, to that a little bit later on. I don't have them on my list. I have the off the teams that can score on my list, but what, what about you know, Philadelphia? they say that the season doesn't start till you score a point. So we're, we're still in preseason and you know, I, I we're still, so. we're still in preseason. Everybody else is in week one and hopefully we'll join you guys in the season very soon. Rally rail. What's up for the night? Vikings, Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles, Kirk Cousins in the gang, mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts in the gang. Give me some good stuff. All right. So here I'm looking at Vikings plus seven. And it's down to six and a half in a lot of shops. So if you can find a seven, I got down on the seven. I got down on seven and a half. So I'm on seven and a half and in seven here. And it's really just because watching that Patriots game, I didn't like anything I saw from the Eagles offense. I really didn't. They got gifted 16 free points. Uh, I wish I could have got gifted 16 points in that game. I just, uh, I, I wish to whoever I could have got 16 points in the game. They got 16 free points and then only scored nine in the next three quarters. And so uh, it's a lot of it is they couldn't find anything running the ball. Uh, Kenny Gainwell, who was the main back in that one, he is out for this game. And so I didn't take long. Yep. And then here you so now you're going DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny, and we'll see what happens there. You're missing James Bradbury on the outside on the other side of Darius Slay. So that's even going to be bigger because now you're looking at Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison. You're saying, wow, one of them is going to have an easier matchup because Bradbury's not going to be in the game. Uh, the, the middle of the field is always open for the Eagles, no matter what happens. Every season, they continue try to fix that trend. The middle of the field is always open. That's why I like your TJ Hawkinson play. I'm on his over 47 and a half receiving yards. And Kirk Cousins, as much as everybody wants to talk bad about primetime Kirk Cousins, he actually puts up pretty decent numbers on a short week. And so if you look at what Kirk Cousins has done recently on a short week in the NFL, and this is a four days Thursday night football, he's has 299, 216. That was a rough one. 
uh, 291 in a Friday game, 285, 422, 242, 449, 316, and 257. So if you put that all together, he's averaging 310 passing yards on Thursday night. That's probably one of my better plays because Mac Jones went out there and threw for 300 passing yards against the Eagles defense that everybody swore up and down was going to be the best defense in the league this year. I think we saw the best defense in the league on Sunday night, but you probably got a pretty close, no, you person, didn't. Up, close and person, up close and personal view of that. Um, so I have identified some teams um, that I think that. are the teams that's – Yeah, you have to at this point. I, 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 <laughs> I'm going to identify some teams. Go ahead, Relly. Let's not do this. <laughs> hey, hey, hey now. Hey now. All up. That was some of the worst offensive line play I've ever seen in my life. Like, in my Listen, entire life. Okay. Let, moving right along, Kansas City Chiefs, Jacksonville Jaguars, Seahawks, Lions, Bengals, Ravens, Bills, Raiders, right? I want to start right there. With Kansas City, Stu, I'm like, okay, the, 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 the pieces around are not good. But Travis Kelsey expected to be back. This dude is 33 years old with a deep bone bruise, right? Kansas City, three-and-a-half-point road favorite. I'm always, I'm always weary of a short road favorite. Looking at this game right here from the Kansas City side, I'm like, okay, well, what is Patrick Mahomes going to do? Is it Patrick Mahomes, Rasheed Rice, or we feel comfortable getting back in the mix with Travis Kelsey? Yeah, Kelsey will be an interesting one because obviously the whole world just saw how bad that offense was without Kelsey in the mix. So now when it's time to build your DFS lineups, we're all sitting down. I think Kelsey is going to be a very easy click for a lot of people. For me, I still don't think there's any sense of urgency to have Travis Kelsey rushed back to an immediate, you know, workhorse work workload, right? We've seen Travis Kelsey as the top targeted tight end in each of the last 80 seasons coming in right here. So now that we're obviously very far away from playoff time, we have your injured star player. Are we really going to put him into a hundred percent snap share? For me, I'm not so sure. I think he gets eased back in a little bit. They use him a little bit more responsibly than maybe we've seen in years past. And that opens up some other guys that no one in the world is going to be playing this week that I'm going to be playing. You put in a guy like Kadarius Tony, who the world just saw five drops, right? There is no way Kadarius Tony's clearing 5% ownership in any of these contests. So someone's got to play him. And hey, you got to be wide open to make those all all those terrible drops he made last week, right? If you want, if you watch back the tape, he was consistently open. He just wasn't getting the job done. Obviously, you take ownership of that. You work harder. You know, he's staying after thirty minutes catching balls, all that stuff that you like to see from the beat reporters. Blah blah blah. The point is, at the end of the day. I know when I'm sitting there making my lineups, I think I have an edge over the field in this game. People are going to love to target this game. High scoring. I mean, we got Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence. This should be a great game. And I think when the rest of the world is playing 30% owned Travis Kelsey, 30% owned, you know, Calvin Ridley, I'm going to be sitting there with Travis Etienne and, uh, you know, some of these wide receivers, whether it be a Sky Moore or Kadarius Tony, and I'm going to hope for the best. Really, when you look at this, the Chiefs offense, what do you think? I picked up Clyde Edwards to lay on the waiver wire last night. I don't know what that's worth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm a J.K. Dobbins all over the place, so that's a disaster. You know, during the Western Conference Finals, D'Angelo Russell went 30 minutes to an hour after every single game, shooting, putting up shots. And you know what that did for him? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing at all. So I don't care what Kadarius Tony was doing after practice, after the game. I don't care. But when I look at this game, I am nervous for the Chiefs, and I'm nervous for the Chiefs because of Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson, twelve and four as a home dog, and so that's ATS, and so that's really, really brutal for the Chiefs who catching three and a half here. But ultimately, I trust Patrick Mahomes, and I trust the best quarterback in the game. I think that if they limit their exposure to Kadarius Tony and a couple of those other passes went to Rasheed Rice or Sky Moore, then they probably would have won that game. Like they were, like Stu said, they were consistently getting open, but they just had some brutal drops. And when I'm looking fantasy wise at this team, I mean, for me, it's Patrick Mahomes and it's Travis Kelsey. Other than that, you can just go put the names on a dartboard. Don't no matter what order, just put them on a dartboard, step back about 10 paces and just throw a dart at the board. And that's the person that you're going to play because it doesn't matter running the ball. We've seen it last week with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire taking the first carries of the game and consistently being through the game. It could be Isaiah Pacheco. It could be Jarek McKinnon. I mean, I don't know what to make of the skill position players outside of Travis Kelsey. So I just prefer not to ever deal with them. 
All right, everybody watching on YouTube, this is uh, Sportstopia, Fantasy Fire and Ice NFL Edition, Fantasy Exec, really well, and Stu, Monotone Football. If you got season-long questions you want to pop in that chat, we'll get to those a little bit later on in the program. Don't forget that Contrarian Edge Optimizer can help you be a big-time winner. Put a couple dollars in your pockets. Hey, Stu, I don't know if I said this. I was watching. I, I was talking about how I don't have no Calvin Ridley on any of my season-long teams. Two players I don't have on any season-long teams, Calvin Ridley and Tyreek Hill. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing, right? <laughs> so I tune in last week. They, the red zone goes to, to Indianapolis, and I see Calvin Ridley running, and I thought it was AI-generated. Like I was like, is that a robot? Because it didn't look like a human being the way that he was running, right? I'm going right back to Ridley. I'm going right back to Lawrence. I think this is a high-scoring game, and I think, like Ralph said, I'm on Jacksonville in this game. I think the public doesn't think that the Kansas City Chiefs can lose back-to-back games and start the season 0-2, mm-hmm. especially getting Kelsey back. The public truly believes that. So I'm going to fade the public. I'm going to fade the short road favorite. I'm going to go with Jacksonville. I'm on ETN. I'm on Ridley. I'm on Lawrence. Now, what's up with DJ Chalk? I mean, not, not DJ Chalk. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Zay Jones? No. Um, Kirk? Christian Kirk, yeah. I'm sorry, Christian Kirk. Well, yeah. for me, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned so far is Christian Kirk is one of those guys we saw in the preseason, right? He was coming off the field in two wide receiver slots, slot, or sorry, sets. He was only playing from the slot, and that carried over into week one, which is a huge concern. If you have Christian Kirk on your fantasy team right now, I probably wouldn't be playing him, especially because the best part of that chief secondary wow. is in the slot, right? When you look at McDuffie's slot grade and PFF, when you look at Sneed, both of these guys are perusing the slot a lot more. And that creates a tough matchup in Christian Kirk, who played 92% of his snaps in the slot mm-hmm. last week. Last year, he was getting outside. They were moving him around. This year, it looks like he's been fully relegated to a slot wide receiver, which has serious fantasy concerns for me. So same thing as you. I'm, I'm putting Kirk on the bench. And if you have Ridley out there, DFS, fantasy, I would fire him up because it's going to be a great week for Ridley. Hey, Riley, that's real brave. You just uh, uh, two weeks removed and two weeks into the season and you putting Kirk on the bench. Now, Stu broke it down very well. You know what I'm saying? I think you listen. I think at draft time, uh-huh. bam. But then when you get into the season, you got to adjust. You uh-huh. got to be fluid. It may not be a bad idea. I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about benching Lamar Jackson this week. Uh, I don't know if I'm going that far. With I mean, I <laughs> no, understand. We're not, we're not, not on. <laughs> yeah. we're, we'll talk about but, talk about the Jags. Yeah. We'll no. No. Jackson no. Next. Yeah. So, do you guys know who led the wide receiver room in snaps last week? It was Zay Jones. Who was that? It was Zay Jones. Zay Jones had 89% of snaps last week. Calvin Ridley only had 81, and he was the number one receiver. Christian Kirk, 60% of snaps. Jamal Agnew was the fourth receiver with three snaps, 4% of snaps. When you look at the red zone targets last week, Jamal Agnew had two red zone targets. Same as Zay Jones, same as Calvin Ridley, not the same as Christian Kirk. Mindful. He played three snaps on offense, and he had two red zone targets. Yeah, I, I, I Christian Kirk isn't. I don't know what happened. Whose girl he talked to? Who he he must have with the owners? I I don't know. I don't know what he did, but he's in the doghouse. Or they're just saying that we've got so much talent that we like all the other talent and we want to use you in this minimal role. And so Christian Kirk is going to be a spot start for me. Am I going to cut him? Probably not. But am I going to play him? Absolutely not. I'm only going to play him in any situation where I think that the other team has a weak slot corner and they're not going to be able to cover him. Because it seems that that's clearly his only role to come in and be and play in packages, three wide receiver sets out of the slot. Other than that, he's not seeing the field and he's not getting the opportunity. Again, Zay Jones had two more red zone opportunities than Christian Kurt, and he was only on the field for three snaps. What Evan Ingram? Evan Ingram, you know, you know, I, I don't rock with no Evan Ingram. You know, he, he got the same hands as Kadarius Tony, so I ain't, you know, I don't rock with no Evan Ingram. No, but but listen, that is a- that is his one of his favorite targets. That is uh, Trevor Lawrence's one of Trevor Lawrence's favorite targets, and so I think that going forward, it may be interesting to see, especially in in sets where you get a lot of openness in the middle of the field, because he is a matchup nightmare. He's a he's essentially a wide receiver that's just out there running tight end. Stu Evan Ingram. 
Yeah, for me, the biggest thing, like you said, he's solely a wide receiver out there, right? He's not doing too much blocking. He's not really helping in any other way. For me, I love Evan Ingram against heavy zone teams. He's a zone beater. He finds those little angles. He gets those short catches, and he keeps the line moving. This Chiefs team doesn't really match up, right? The Colts played the most zone in the preseason. They played heavy zone in week one. I thought that was a great matchup. Now we got week two, a lot more blitzing, a lot more man coverage right here. I'm not as big of a fan as um, Evan Ingram this week compared to guys with his similar price tag let's bounce around a little bit i'll get to that that royal mint in a second but i want to talk uh Bengals and raven styles make fights and recently the Bengals styles have been uh i believe the last four three one and one something put it like this the Bengals been kicking the raven's butt the past couple years you know what i'm saying and now you have uh cincinnati this number's bouncing around too these numbers bouncing today cincinnati laying three and a half at home the public is all over Baltimore, all over Baltimore. This number just went to three, mm-hmm. but it's still the three is still heavily juiced with, with, with the Bengals. I think the Bengals, I think the Bengals put it on them this week. I think it's at least a touchdown win uh, for Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I think Jamar Chase is a top, top target this week. I think Joe Burrow's a top target. T. Higgins, the whole crew, Joe Mixon coming back on the other side. I know Mark Andrews practiced this week, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. Lamar Jackson is not putting up the kind of fantasy numbers that we expect from Lamar Jackson. It's just not happening. You know what I'm saying? Oh, the Ravens got Todd Mokin. I can't wait to see this Ravens offense. It looked the damn same, right? So now you can say, well, Andrews wasn't there, and I do understand that. But the truth of the matter is this. I don't know what to make, Stu, of this Baltimore offense, so I'm kind of going to leave it alone. But I do love me some Bengals this week. Yeah, I think Baltimore will be more um, interesting on offense against a more real team, to be completely honest. Obviously, the Texans, that never felt like a competitive game, which means you do never really need to get super deep into the playbook. I think something a lot of people are going to worry about is obviously no J.K. Dobbins. But for me, the Ravens, just like the 49ers, have kind of shown me over the last you know decade or so that they are a plug-and-play running back room. The style that they play, right, Gus Edwards can come in and be a guy that averages over five yards per carry in his career because this is a great system for running backs. My problem with the Ravens is the offensive line injuries. That's the base of everything right here. Now we got two questionable tags on two of their best offensive linemen coming into this week. I'm not sure how you hold up if those guys don't play. Because for me, if those guys do play, I trust the Ravens to run the ball a little bit more. I think they get established on offense. But if we're down two starting offensive linemen, then for me, I think I got to switch to that Bengal side no matter how bad they looked in week one. Rally Ralph. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it's that injury report. That's number one. Two offensive, like you said, two offensive linemen didn't start. You had Marlon Humphrey that didn't participate in practice yesterday. You had the start safety Marcus Williams who didn't participate in practice yesterday. Like you're telling me you're down your two of your top guys in your secondary, two of your five offensive linemen. I'm not picking you to win the game. Now we can have the betting systems that also go along with this teams that lose by double digits in week one are 61% ATS in the following week. And the Bengals do fall into that category, but I think it's really more to look at what was the reason for the Bengals to have such a bad performance that first week. And a lot of it, the Browns got their number. It, well, yes, that the Browns are hundred percent Joe Burrow's daddy. And he needs to make sure that he shows them the respect that they are. Jamar Chase had no reason saying that it's the Browns after they literally get killed by the Browns every year. So I don't know why he went on national TV and said that, but it's also the fact of it was weather in that game. So the ball slipped out a couple of those passes of Joe Burrow that he probably could have made, especially a couple of targets towards T Higgins that the ball came out weird. So T Higgins would have had a better day. And then you have the fact that Jim Schwartz trust his secondary. He trusts his secondary and he says, I don't care who your receivers are. They took one of the best wide receiver rooms in the entire NFL and played man defense the entire time because he said that my DBs are better than your wide receivers and we're going to get pressure before you can get the ball to them. And it absolutely worked. And and the Bengals, Zach Taylor, had no response for it. They absolutely got outcoached and outplayed in that game. And so I think that this is a different story with top defensive backs for the uh, – excuse me, the Ravens out in this game. So I'm all over the Bengals. This is actually a lock of mine. I'm all over Bengals minus three and a half. I'm with you. I think this is a touchdown game. Yeah. So it's good that we agree on that. Got a question in the uh, chat. Uh, do I start pretty or fields in PPR? Well, I don't know if any of them are going to catch passes, 
But you know what I'm saying? He says, I also have McCaffrey. So I would start Justin Fields. I don't understand. Can you claim it running back? I'm kind of confused with that question right there. Anybody else want to chime in on this one? No, I, yeah. think, I, I think it's pretty easy. I think you start Justin Fields and you don't think too much about it. I'm not. I'm on the other side of y'all. I'm taking Brock Purdy. I think that while Fields is very good for, you know, the rushing aspect and the fact he rushing touchdowns are six points rather than four points, but Brock Purdy has been extremely consistent. And looking at this Rams defense, I think that what they're going to be able to take, what he'll be able to take advantage of is the fact that he has all these good weapons to get the ball to and the yards after the catch that they can get is going to be really good between Ayuk between Devo Samuel, between George Kittle, between Christian McCaffrey, who he has, like all the yards after the catch is ab- absolutely stat pads what Brock Purdy is able to do. And even though I don't think that he's that prolific, prolific of a passer, he's able to get the ball there and they're able to do the rest. And that's all the 49ers have ever asked from their quarterback. So I think Purdy is actually a little bit of the better start because I think that game has a better chance of going over rather than Justin Fields against the Bucks. Hey, Relly. What would I be getting too cute if I was to bench Mac, uh, bench Lamar Jackson this week and play Mac Jones? Yes. <laughs> yes, hundred percent. So, so Stu, you that's that's too cute, Stu. So, yeah. this is what I say: if if you start Mac Jones, and if Mac Jones has an okay day against the Dolphins, and Lamar Jackson goes off on the bench, are you going to be even more mad when you look at your bench and you see 20, 25 points from Lamar Jackson? Or are you going to be mad if you look at your bench and you see 25 points from Mac Jones? I would be pissed. I haven't seen a 25-point Lamar Jackson game in a long time. Hey, man, the season just started. And this is my thing with Lamar Jackson and what I feel teams have stopped taking the preseason so serious. You have a new offensive coordinator. And this is a, an entirely new offensive scheme. You are trying to invigorate the pass more with this scheme now. You absolutely should have been running Lamar Jackson out there in preseason so he can get a feel for this offense instead of the first time being against DeMarco Ryans in the Texans defense. So I think Lamar Jackson looks a little bit rustier. I hope that it was just a one-week rust and they kind of figure it out over the course of this week and get in preparation for a really big divisional matchup. But I think that, you know, Lamar Jackson would have had a better start to the season if he just played preseason and got some game reps with that new offensive system. Hey, that's a good call right there. Hey, Stu, um, we all love if we if everybody said, oh, Bengals and Chase and Higgins and we got to come back with Zay Flowers, though, right? For me and DFS this week, I'm going to be playing zero Zay Flowers. And I know that obviously does seem a little bit dramatic right here. But from everything I'm seeing so far, a lot of his touches, four touches behind the line of scrimmage, right? So when you look at the ADOT of 2.9, you're depending on him to do every single thing after the catch, right? You're depending on these kind of easy targets, these setup plays for Zay Flowers to run the offense. I'm just not sure if we see that kind of dependable volume on a week-to-week basis. Like, is he really going to get four design touches behind the line of scrimmage every week? I'm not sold on that yet. If that is the case, then he's going to be an insane play every single week, right? And I'm obviously going to look a little bit dumb after this. But I just think the hype has gotten a little bit too strong. I'm a big fan of his profile. I think Zay Flowers is 100% an NFL wide receiver. I think he's a legit number one option. I think he'll get better as the season goes on. But you also got to remember ownership is very important, right? And the whole world just saw how impressive he was in game one. I think people are going to be running to start him again, especially like you said, it's kind of an easy run back in this game. Rashad Bateman played lower snaps last week, which obviously concerned me. I have some Rashad Bateman and some teams as well. But for me, with just how popular I think he's going to get, I'm probably going to have to be avoiding Zay Flowers. All right, let's go to the NFC, Royal Mint. Now, this is Johnny V, our boy Johnny V. The Royal Mint is when the road team hovers around five, plus five, plus five, plus five and a half. Mm -hmm. The theory is you always take the road team and sprinkle the money line. Last week, it hit the Rams, (laughs) and it hit with the Buccaneers. It's going to hit again this week with the Seahawks, right? I am Geno. I'm Metcalf. I'm Lockett. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying, Relly? I'm 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 the whole thing. I don't know what to do with the running back, yep. but I'm definitely locking. I'm definitely Metcalf. I'm JSN. I'm Geno. I think 
I think the Seahawks could be the highest scoring team on the week. Yeah. So, I mean, this is my favorite. And if you check my article out on sportstopia.iq, where I did my early Vegas line analysis that I'll be doing every week, the very first game that I had circled was Seahawks plus five and a half. And it's because we have one of my favorite system matches, and it's called the Close Your Eyes Special where when a team underperforms the spread by 21 or more points in the week prior, and then they're catching points the next week, you always bet that team to cover the game. And I think that this is another situation where we have the chance to do that again. And it's uh, the Seahawks offense looked terrible that first week, but I think that's a little bit misleading of just early season jitters. Look at this, this Lions defense, and we talked about Kadarius Tony being open every play and dropping the ball. Well, he was open every single play. I dare you to let DK Metcalf get open. I dare you to let JSN get open. I dare you to give Geno the opportunity to not write back because he sure wrote back last week. He wrote back to him last week, but this week he said, I ain't putting nothing in the mail, man. I ain't putting they because they they all they he got all their letters on this fridge with the magnet. He look at them every time he opened the fridge and he just say, you know what? I ain't writing back this week. I'm I'm good. I'm not writing back this week. So I'm all over uh that. I'm all over Kenneth Walker as well. I think that this is gonna be a week where they probably try to run the ball a little bit more. You know how Pete Carroll get down with running the ball. I think they're gonna try to run the ball behind him a little bit more, establish that run, put Gino in good situations because Gino. Well, he's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He needs to be in good situations. So I think they have an emphasis on that. And you get a very, very good win from the the Seattle Seahawks, where the line moved three points after that first week. And that's just too many points for a line to be moving. And that's too much exaggeration. Yeah, yeah, Stu, I agree. I think this is a Seahawks spot right here. And I think you got to have exposure to this game. Uh, talk about your favorites on both sides, Lions and Seahawks. Yeah, no, I agree with you guys. This is a great DFS game, obviously, when the whole world yeah. kind of gives up, you know, on a guy after week one, especially in a high-scoring environment. You guys just mentioned it. That Lions defense, they made some plays, they made some interceptions, but a lot of those were kind of fluky plays. And like you said, are we really going to let JSN wide open or over the middle, DK Metcalf down the field? I think there are a lot of good targets in this one for me. I do like some guys on the Lions side as well. I think it's going to be both sides, especially the thing that concerns me, right, is Seattle can't get pressure on the quarterback. That's what really worries me, right? A low pressure rate in the second half of last year, now a low pressure rate. Once again, they're not really blitzing too much either. They're giving the quarterback plenty of time. And now we saw a guy like Tariq Woolen, who performed amazing last season. He did kind of get cooked by a, a, rookie, a rookie fourth round wide receiver this uh, or last week, right? A five for six, uh, 50 yards in their one-on-one -on -one matchups. The rest of the secondary is very, very weak, especially the slot. You want to target Seattle with tight ends and slot wide receivers over the middle. So I think a guy like Sam Laporta, who showed up in his first game, had good usage, was the three-down tight end out there, kind of underperformed in the box score category, only had 37 yards, six or so targets. But that's very good for a rookie tight end. We got to remember that is very impressive. Week one, the snaps were there. I think a guy like Laporta over the middle is going to be an easy check down option, especially when we get to the red zone for the Lions. So if we're expecting a lot of offense, I like Laporta on that side, and then I like DK Metcalf and JSN, the Seattle wide receivers on the other side. All right. You're laying off a locket for any particular reason on the, concu or the concussion protocol. The concussion protocol is worrying. And then also just how open, remember, Sky Moore and Tony were over the middle all the time. They were wide open over the middle, and there were those yak opportunities. And I think JSN just profiles as a great yak wide receiver. While we saw Tyler Lockett fall down every time he caught the ball last year, right? I want a guy that's going to run through a couple guys. And I think JSN has a little bit more upside there. All right, Neek has a question in the chat. Neek, the only thing you need to do after the question is hit the subscribe button and then hit that like button. And we we have we trust you in good faith that you're going to do that. Um, before we get to that, Stu, anything that I miss is Jameer Gibbs. Yes, how could I forget Jameer Gibbs? The usage come uh, as, as as it translates to the talent. My thing is the talent always wins, so I may get some Jameer Gibbs. Close my hold my nose and hope he don't just get five touches. You know what I'm saying? Stewing in really, and then we'll get to uh then we'll get to Neek. 
Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, get, for me, I normally do love going with the guys that underperform in week one to expectation. And I think Gibbs lines up very well with that. My concern is still just volume. Like you said, talent wins out. If you have him on your season-long fantasy team, I'm still feeling great, right? We saw just how efficient he was on those minimal touches. Unfortunately, just like the CMCs, the Alvin Kamaras of years past, when you look at those first-year game logs, we really only started seeing those superstar performances week eight, week nine, week 10. I understand we just saw how good he was in week one it was a limited sample I still think it's going to be a bit of a limited sample I don't think we can depend on more than you know three or four targets five to six carries and that just makes it a little bit too risky especially when David Montgomery has a clear kind of stranglehold on the goal line carries which is what I want at the end of the day so I love Gibbs I love the talent but I don't know if I'll be getting there quite yet in week two yeah I'm not there yet on Gibbs and if I get there on week two I'm only like I would only play like a passing prop. I don't think I would start him in fantasy or DFS or anything like that. But if I'm talking betting wise, I would maybe play like a receptions or maybe a yards passing prop. But that's about it, because if you look at what Seattle did to the Lions last week, Lions running backs had 37 carries in that game for 81 yards. That's 2.1 yards per carry. That's that's not going to get it done. And it didn't matter whether it was Cam Akers, who was 22 for 29, or if it was Kyron Williams, who everybody fell in love with because he scored two touchdowns. But you look at what he did on the ground, and he was 15 for 52. That's 3.5 per carry. Like, neither one is really wanted more to be desired. Both of them both wanted more to be desired in that game. And so I think that this is an opportunity for that Seahawks defense. Again, really crowd the line of scrimmage, do a lot better in that run protection. And then you'll have an opportunity for the Lions receivers. I think I like Lions receivers a lot more in this game than I like trying to back or trying to chase a Jameer Gibbs who had a rough first week. All right, Neek, uh, do I start Mike Thomas or Raheem Mostert if he's healthy at flex? This is an interesting question for week two. Mm-hmm. Mike Thomas or Raheem Mostert? Um, Rally, Thomas is against the Panthers on Monday night. Raheem Mostert uh, is in that game versus the Jets. I mean, you know who I'm talking about. The, the team playing the same <laughs> Yeah, no. So, I – for me, I'm I'm probably going to go Mike Thomas here, and it's just because I've already kind of told myself that I'm going to stay away from the Dolphins running backs, and especially against the Patriots, who, again, did pretty well against Kenneth Gainwell. He had 14 carries for 54 yards. Like, that was pretty, pretty all right production there. I don't think – I don't know if they're going to be able to punch him into the end zone, and that's really what you're hoping for from most of you. You're kind of hoping that he gets the, gets the usage. You know, he was – a really good yards per carry type of back five yards per carry. Everybody talks about him for the, for his career. He's like around five yards per carry or something like that. But it's more the fact of, is he going to get into the end zone? Mike Thomas, I like the PPR opportunity for him. I think that he's going to have a, a really good opportunity against this Carolina defense where he may not put up the big number of yards, but he's going to have a lot short catches and they're going to try to continue to get Derek Carr warmed up in that offense because even though he threw for 300 yards that past week, they only put up 16 points. So I think that Mike Thomas is somebody that people are still sleeping on a little bit because of the injury issues. But when he's healthy and when he's out there, he's very productive fancy. Go ahead, Stu. You got something else? Yeah, I was just going to say, I played his receptions last week and a very interesting number I saw. The guy has four catches in 74 of his 78 games. So when he's out there, when he is Mm -hmm. out there, he gets the job done, especially if you're in a PPR league and you can just depend on, like he said, those short throws, those slants over the middle. That's what I want. I definitely agree. I'd be going Michael Thomas, especially I don't think Mostert's even going to play this week, to be completely honest. And if he does, I do not think the Dolphins are going to attack New England in the trenches. Uh, The Dolphins know what they're good at. The Dolphins are a very smartly run team. I love their play calling. And I think they're going to look at this game and go, there's no way we win a trenches battle without our best offensive lineman against the Patriots. We got to throw the ball. We got to get creative. Same stuff we saw last week. So for me, I agree. Michael Thomas, 100%. All right, there you go, my man, Neek. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Before we get ready, I got got one more game that I want to get to, and then we'll run the optimizer. That optimizer is the contrarian edge optimizer. You hit that QR code, you get a seven-day test drive for only one dollar but just go ahead and sign up for the whole thing right now trust me it's going to help you make some money um bills and raiders i think this is going to be an interesting contest as well um raiders i'm a raider i i think the raiders are better than people think they are right the public hates the raiders because they hate jimmy garoppolo i'm on Devonte adams obviously and that's probably really it but I think this is an interesting contest. I think the Raiders are going to keep this close. I think the Bills do win the game. 
But the public really feels like um, this is Stewart. This is a bounce back spot for the Bills. So I guess we're going to see Josh Allen. I guess we're going to see Diggs. Curious to know your thoughts on James Cook. Um, like I said, I'm fading. I'm still continuing to fade Buffalo, but I think that there's going to be some fantasy fireworks. Yeah, this is probably my favorite DFS game of the week. I think I'm going to be super heavy in this one. I like pieces from both sides. You kind of mentioned, obviously, some of the guys like Devontae Adams, who the whole world is going to be talking about, especially without Jacoby Myers. If he doesn't play, that's a big deal because they had the most consolidated target share out of any duo yep. in the league last week. Targets were going to just those two guys. Also got to remember, Devontae Adams had a pretty solid target share while being shadow cornered by one of the best corners in the league. We're going to have a little bit of a better matchup against this Bills second this week for me i like tons of bounce backs i think josh allen's going to be a guy i'm starting a lot of teams with i think gabriel davis is going to be a guy i go to right the raiders rated top three in slot coverage corner but bottom three an outside corners right so a guy like gabe davis who solely depends on the deep ball you solely want those 25 yard plus targets he had 15 plus or he, sorry, he had three plus 15 plus yard targets last week. I see that kind of usage being consistent in a week to week basis. So I'm starting a lot of my teams with Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, and Devontae Adams. And I'm hoping both of these teams kind of go a little bit crazy right here. Really, well, I can get behind that. Yeah. I, yeah. It sounds, it sounds, it sounds good until, you know, Gabe Davis is just a guy that you just got to close your eyes, just he's, play him, close your eyes, and then yeah. come back and come back to it. And, and hopefully he did something for you. But you know, he he's very talented. I this is this is the survivor pick of the week. This is the survivor pick of the week. The Bills are gonna win this game. Be I, very careful. I, Be very careful. Picking the Bills and Survivor. The, so and here's the thing: you have first of all, the Raiders did not go home. So they went. So this is already a back-to-back road spot, which is a tough spot in the NFL already. And then they went and they went to, I believe, West Virginia. So they're in West Virginia right now. Spent West Virginia the week in West Virginia, and then they're going up to Buffalo to play this game. And so you already have that factor of you're not going home. You're on the road. You've been on the road for about a week or week or so now, and and it just doesn't seem like I'm willing to get behind anything in this offense for the Raiders, to be honest, outside of Devontae Adams. And it's because it's Devontae Adams. I think he's going to have the majority of the targets. I'm very interested to see what Josh Jacobs does because we did see Brees Hall be able to break off a really few really big runs in that game. And Josh Jacobs does profile as that explosive back that can make big plays like that. And so hopefully Josh Jacobs on the ground is able to have a solid game. He probably needs to get into the end zone to make it a really good fantasy relevant day. And that's maybe somebody else that I'd be interested in. But other than that, I'm not interested in anything in this. I'm not, I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think he's going to have that good of a game this time around outside of throwing to Devontae Adams. I would do it the exact same way Stu did it. You get your Buffalo stack with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, however you want to put it together, you use Devontae Adams as your bring back player, and you just kind of leave it at that. All right. Um, before I run the optimizer, really rail, what are we doing with Saquon Barkley this week? I think Saquon Barkley actually has a lot better of a week, and it's because of the fact that we're missing uh, Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas is probably not going to play in this game. He's already listed as doubtful. They don't have any good expectations, so I'm expecting a very, very quick pocket for Daniel Jones in there. I think Daniel Jones' rushing yards is going to be a pretty good play as well, but Saquon Barkley, quick, short passes, move the ball. This is how the Giants were able to get through bad offensive play last year and how they had a good season last year is because they had short, quick passes. And now not only do you have Saquon Barkley, you have a Darren Waller from the target as well that can really get the ball out and move. So I think Saquon Barkley is actually going to be a solid play this week, and it's probably going to come more through the air than it is the ground. What do you think, Stu Barkley, this week? Yeah, I like it too. I obviously love the receptions. That Arizona defense is a little more scrappy than obviously some would have expected yeah. in week one. Maybe it's just because my commander's offense is just truly terrible. I hope that's not the True case. Too. To me, it looks somewhere in the middle, right? I did it's see a case. lot of plays. I don't know. I, the Arizona defense was moving around. Like sometimes you guys Sam Howell could not move the ball, but man. He couldn't move the ball at home. Sure. Right. When you have the worst defense in the league last year and you get rid of all those guys and you bring in a bunch of scrappy new guys, I think you're mm-hmm. about to get a little bit better. But I agree. I was not impressed with Sam Howell whatsoever. So for me, I think the Giants are going to be leading. I think they're going to have a good game script. I think Saquon profiles is a solid play. I'm just worried how popular he's going to get. I think everyone loves to target Arizona. It's kind of the easy thing because of how bad their starting roster is. Joshua Dobbs is the quarterback. Ha ha, let's target that team. Sometimes the ownership gets a little crazy. I haven't looked at the touchdown odds, but I bet he's like 
minus 160 to get in the end zone, not a very playable price, something like that. So for me, if he gets super, super popular, I don't love it as much, but there's really no reason why he shouldn't kill in this matchup. I untamed music. Would you start uh fields or tour music? You need to go ahead and hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. That's, that's how you get free um questions answered. Um fields of tour really really real. Uh, I, I, as long as two is healthy, I gotta go. Yeah, with two. I think you yeah. gotta play two. I think two is I think two is he's gotten to that point where you have to play him, but I'm actually on the Patriots this week because I do I think that it's going to be a rougher game for Tua in this one. I think that Bill Belichick, because a lot of people don't look at the offensive line news. And I thought that it was going to be a factor last week against the chargers. And it wasn't good thing. I was on dolphins anyway, but Armstead is still out. That's their starting tackle and he's still out. And so, Judon, very, very good pass rusher. I think he's going to get home and he's going to be in Tua's face and really going to force Tua into some tough spots. But Justin Fields, I'm really only like at this point, I really only trust Justin Fields as a runner. And that's not always the most optimal thing for a fantasy quarterback. I think that he's going to have a better week this week. Do I think it's going to be a great week? No, I think it's one more week until I get a great week. But I'm rolling two out there. I just don't know how you could see what Tua did last week and not play him. Yeah, what do you think, Stu? I agree with that. I actually really like what you said at the end, too, about we're one more week away from that really good week because I don't think this is it for Fields. I think a lot of people are going to instantly want to go to that bounce back. The Buccaneers showed they're a pretty sneaky, underrated defense. They brought a lot of the same guys back up from the last couple seasons. I'm not saying they're one of the best teams in the league, but I agree. Even though Tua is going against a tough defense right here even though you might have to stomach an interception or two I think the pure passing volume is going to make up for it because that's really all they've got like I said earlier I don't really trust them to to win this battle in the trenches which means a lot of check downs to Tyreek Hill and hey good things happen when you check the ball down to Tyreek Hill yes yes it does Tyreek Hill I don't have any fantasy team uh silly me I don't know how I let that happen <laughs> all right I ran the fan I ran the fan optimized I'm gonna read two lineups I think that and let me tell you something. Let me read these two lineups. I really think we look uh, pretty good. One more question. My boy lost Dobbins this past week. I have Mostert. He has Drake and Gabe. Would you take either one from Mostert? Drake, Kenyon? Drake London? Drake London. Is that Drake London? That's yeah. not Kenyon Drake. It's not Kenyon Drake. <laughs> no, yeah, it can't be. <laughs> no, nah, it's not Kenyon Drake. No so it's Drake London. Drake. I don't want either one of those. Ew. Drake London or, or Gabe? Ew. You could get, mm, you could get something better from Mostert from somebody else. Yeah, I like Gabe Davis, but in betting, I don't want to start him on my fantasy team. Like, no, God, no. Right. I want him in DFS when I'm trying to win a million bucks. And I know he can have, you know, those crazy games that he has. But week to week, that's a tough choice. I think you probably hold on to him because I'm not trading for Drake London. No matter what these fantasy guys, (laughs) I am not trading for Drake London. Zero percent chance. All right. There you go right there. All right. Let's go. This is the blended. Lined up from the contrarian edge optimizer over there at sportstopia.io. Joe Burrow, James Conner, Josh Jacobs, Steph Diggs, Jamar Chase, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Higby, Isaiah Pacheco, and the Houston Texans. Once again, FanDuel, Joe Burrow, James Conner, Josh Jacobs, Steph Diggs, Jamar Chase, St. Brown, Higby, Pacheco, the Texans defense. And then this metric right here gives us Geno Smith, who we discussed. Tony Pollard, who we didn't discuss, Josh Jacobs, Chris Godwin, interesting, Jamar Chase, Tyler Lockett, mm-hmm. Dalton Schultz, Dalton Schultz, excuse me, Amon Ross St. Brown, and the Texans defense. So it seems like we are on the right track this week. Yeah, I like the Texans defense call too. Obviously, I think Richardson does still have a lot of potential to have another good game right here, but I think that's one of the be- I think that's the best unit in the game, the Texans defense. What did they bring the head coach in here? What did they spend the first round pick on? Right? I think they want to kind of improve this defense right there. So I like that look. I like that Amon Ross St. Brown is in both of them. I like the Seahawks exposure. I think we're all kind of on the same page as the optimizer here that that's a game to target. And I think not enough people in the field are going to be doing that. So hopefully if you're listening to the show, you got a little bit from that because I I think when the masses go to Patrick Mahomes and we're over here with Geno Smith, I think we're going to feel pretty good about it at the end of the week. Yep, no doubt about it. Hey, before we get about it here, I uh, wanted to say that, um, you know, that was a good show, number one. Number two, as far as that Texans defense go, uh, Houston and Indianapolis, the under caches every time these two teams yep. play. Even with the total being 39 and a half, the under coming in. 
So just go ahead, and, and that's the reason why that defense is out there. So, hey, good luck, everybody, this weekend. Don't forget that Contrarian Edge Optimizer, sportstopia.io, is live right now. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. That's the only thing we ask you to do here for my man Stu, my man Relly Rails, Corey Parson, the fantasy exec. We out. Mm-hmm.